Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. So tonight we are reading out of Nehemiah chapter 4. Nehemiah chapter 4. And the book of Nehemiah, if you don't know what it is, it's, it's about the uh, people of Israel rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. And while they were building these walls, they find themselves in these different battles. And I can kind of relate to that. I, I think we can all kind of relate to the, to the fact of us, while we are building something, at the same time, we're battling something. Has everybody been doing, like, while you're, while you're trying to build, at the same time, you find yourself in the middle of battles. And, and, like, uh, like, and so what we're figuring out tonight, and what the title for tonight is, How to Build while on the battlefield. Turn to your neighbor and say, how to build while on the battlefield. What we're trying to figure out, what we're going to figure out tonight is like, how do we build discipline while at the same time battling depression? How do I build faith while at the same time battling some fears in my life? Like, how do I build my purpose while at the same time battling my past? How do we build while on the battlefield I spoke this message to uh, Trinity Church in, in Quero, Texas a few Sundays ago, and um, they loved it. The, the Holy Spirit was there, and I believe a lot of people were ministered to, and uh, I wasn't planning on, on, on speaking this tonight, but the Holy Spirit said Riverside Church wants to hear this message, needs to hear this message. So who's excited for tonight? Who's excited for this message? If you are, let's pray. Let's pray over the service together, and now pray with me. Father, we thank you that we have gathered tonight. Father, for a demonstration from your spirit. We've gathered tonight, Father, for change being broken over us, for chains of anxiety being broken off our minds. We've, we've gathered tonight, Father, for you. No other reason. We thank you for miracles, signs, and wonders taking place. We thank you, God, for people walking in lost but leaving found, found by your son, found by your spirit. Father, we love you so much. We dedicate this service to you. And everybody says... Amen, amen, amen. Let's give Jesus one more hand clap and we'll get into the service. So a little bit context about Nehemiah chapter 4 where we're picking up. I'll give you a quick synopsis of, of, of all the context of the story in Nehemiah 4. Uh, so Nehemiah is a Jewish man, a man of Jewish descent, but he is right now um, in Babylon, a foreign land, and he is the cupbearer to the king. Everybody, everybody say cupbearer. And a cupbearer is a very trusted um, position to be towards a king because what a cupbearer does is that um, they would test the, the drink and the meals for the king to check to see if it was poisoned or not. So for you to be a cupbearer meant that you're highly trusted um, by the king. And, and so Nehemiah, who is of Jewish descent, he requests of the king of Babylon if he can go back uh, to his ancestry home of Jerusalem to rebuild the, w- rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. So you see, 150 years before we pick up in ne- Nehemiah chapter 4, uh, the Jerusalem was defeated by the same um, Babylonians that he now serves. 150 years before that, Babylon came into Jerusalem, destroyed their city, and not only that, they took all the captives out of Jerusalem and brought them to Babylon. And Nehemiah is a descendant of those captives. And he is asking the king of Babylon if he can return to his homeland of Jerusalem to rebuild the walls. Because back in in that time, 
a city was only as good as the walls that fortified it. If you were a city and you didn't have walls, nobody took you seriously because you could have been easily defeated, easily plundered. Um, walls is really the high-tech defense of the time. So if you didn't have walls, uh, you were really considered even a real city in that time. And up until the point of Nehemiah, for 150 years, the Jewish people tried to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, but every time they did, they were either defeated or destroyed by their enemies. So, but now Nehemiah comes into the picture, and in Nehemiah chapter 4, they are now rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. And where we pick up in verse 7, in Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 7, they are now halfway done with the wall. And this is where we pick up. So is everybody with me with the context of the story? So verse 7, it says, But when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabs, Ammonites, and Ashdodites heard that the work was going ahead and that the gaps in the wall of Jerusalem were being repaired, they were furious. Everybody say furious. Did you know that when you're making progress towards your purpose, that sends hell into a fury? Like, like hell is perfectly fine you staying the same person you've always been. Like hell is fine with that. Like the enemy is perfectly fine with us staying in our comfort zone. The enemy is perfectly fine with us going through the normal routines. But when we start making progress in our purpose, that's when hell gets upset. Because it, it, it says it wasn't until Jerusalem started to rebuild their walls, that's when the enemy around them got upset and they got offended. Because now they saw that Israel was now what was their weakness. They were turning it into a strength, and that was making them upset. In the same way, whenever we are moving in the right direction, sometimes it's going to send hell into a fury. This is what I want to encourage you with. This because you're feeling opposition, that might not mean you're doing the wrong thing. That actually might be mean that you're doing the right thing. Because sometimes we become so confused and we start building towards our purpose and then we see opposition and we stop. And we stop going towards where God wants us to go. But I want to encourage somebody, don't stop on the progress you're doing right now just because there's a problem in your life. Because the enemy would like nothing better than for you to go back to where you came, for you to stop building your family up, to stop building your devotion life up. The, the enemy would love for you to go back into your comfort zone. But let me encourage you, don't give up on that purpose on the inside of you just because the enemy's trying to convince you of your problems. Focus on what's in front of you. Keep on building, and I'm telling you, you're going to realize that what God has for you in front of you, like when Israel was rebuilding their walls, they started to realize that no enemy's going to stop them anyways. So they weren't going to stop themselves. And then it says in verse 8, it says they all made plans. This is the enemies of, I of Israel. It says they all made plans to come and fight against Jerusalem and throw us into confusion. Everybody say confusion. What made me ponder is that it didn't say that they came to conquer them. It didn't say that they came to defeat or destroy Jerusalem. It said that they came to confuse them. You want to know why? It says they came to confuse them because the enemy has no power to destroy us. The enemy has no uh, that kind of authority to conquer us. The very best they can do is hope to confuse us. See, the reason why they can't conquer us or the enemy doesn't have that kind of authority no longer is because of this man named Jesus Christ. 
Oh, Jesus, the Christ, Jesus, the anointed one. And in the Son of God, he came to this earth wrapped in flesh, and he died on the cross for you and I. And he was whipped for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. And when he went onto Calvary, he defeated death, hell, and the grave. And what he did, he took the authority back. And so now, there is no kind of enemy, nor imp, nor spirit, nor devil that has the power to stop you from your purpose. That's what I want to encourage you with, is that don't be afraid when the enemy comes towards you because they're powerless already. So the enemy, he can't destroy you. Uh, we say he can't, th- he, he can't conquer us. But what he will try to do is confuse us. What he will try to do is distract us. See, the enemy has no power to destroy us, but he will certainly try to distract us. And what will happen in our lives is that we will give up on our promises, not because we were conquered, but because we were confused. Because the enemy would present something in our lives and make us confused thinking that he had all the power and we didn't. And the enemy will confuse us thinking that, that the, the problems in our lives right now is too big for the purpose that's inside of us. And before even us even attempting to, to go towards the promises of God, we're ready to give up because we're confused. You see, the enemy would like nothing better than distract us and to confuse us to make us think that the forces against us are more powerful than the forces on the inside of us, but that can't be farther from the truth. Romans chapter 8, verse 31 says, if God is for you, then who can be against you? So I want to encourage somebody tonight, it doesn't matter what kind of debts, it doesn't matter what kind of problems or issues you might think you have, your God is greater. Your God is greater. You're on the winning side. Point one for tonight is don't let intimidation become manipulation. Don't let intimidation become manipulation. Because what the enemy will, will do in our lives is he will try to intimidate us. That's what the enemies of Israel was trying to do. They weren't trying. They knew they couldn't destroy them. They knew they couldn't conquer Jerusalem, but they were going to try to intimidate them to the point of manipulating them out of their purpose. The enemy tries the same thing in our lives. He would try to intimidate us with fear. He tried to intimidate us with the problems in our lives to the point where we are manipulated out of the mission that God has for us. Don't let intimidation turn into manipulation. Don't let the father of lies become the truth inside of your mind. See, a lot of us are so confused that, that the lies that we know aren't, aren't right for us, we, we begin to believe the lies more than, than the truth that's inside of us. And what we call that is manipulation by intimidation. The enemy will intimidate us that this because, this is how, let me give you an example. The enemy will try to intimidate you and say, hey, you're not going to be a good parent because you're raised in a broken home. And before we even try it, we are manipulated to the point of thinking we're already defeated. Or the enemy will try to say, hey, you're, you're not going to be a good business person. You, you weren't even, you didn't even graduate college. You didn't even have good grades. How do you think you're going to be able to lead a business? And he would try to intimidate us, to manipulate us out of our purpose. But don't let the enemy confuse you out of your calling. Don't let the enemy try to manipulate you out of the mission that God has on your life. Stay strapped to the cord. And as long as I follow after God, I'm going to see my purpose come into fruition. 
So as we continue in verse 9, it says, this is Jerusalem talking. It says, but we pray to our God and. Everybody say and. And. It says we pray to our God and it says and they sat on their hands for the rest of the night. Oh, it didn't say that? And they watched season four of The Office and binged it. Uh, does it say that? It says, and they guarded the city day and night to protect themselves. See, not only did they pray to God, but they were proactive with their prayers. I think some of us need to work on our ends. Because sometimes we will pray to God, and then we do nothing with our prayers. And we're not proactive towards what we're praying for. And we all know the saying, faith without works is dead. So how can we expect our prayers to come into fruition if we're not putting any action towards those prayers? Because that's not faith. That's fast food. A lot of us treat God in our prayer closet like a McDonald's drive through We pull up, we say, God, I'll take a, I'll take an order of peace and give me, give me, give me two orders of favor you know what, I'll take a side of blessing. And you know, yeah, that will be good, that will be good, I'll have that. And we'll do it in our prayer closet, and then we'll just wait. Thinking that God's going to pull up to our side window and then say, hey, here you go. And then we get confused when we say, God, what's all going on? No, we've got to be proactive with our prayers. We have to take that step of faith, and when we pray for it, you want to know how you show that you believe for it? It's when you act on it. That's when you show true belief. Anybody can pray for things but true followers of God's have the faith to start being proactive for things. Start being proactive with their prayers. Let me give you an example. I'm going to pray that God blesses my finances and I'm going to make a budget. I'm going to stick to it. I'm not just going to sit on my hands about it. Let me give you another example. I'm going to pray that God's going to bless my finances and I'm going to start tithing and giving what belongs to him. Let me give you another example. I'm going to start praying for God to... to give me more opportunities in life, but also I'm going to be more outgoing. I'm not just going to sit around hoping that, that opportunities come to my front door knocking. No, I'm going to make sure that I'm being proactive with my prayers. Does anybody hear what I'm saying tonight about being proactive? I think one of the lies we'd be convinced of is, is thinking that waiting on God means sitting on our hands. That's not what it means. Waiting on God means I'm ready. Being ready is a proactive thing. Being ready is saying, God, I'm praying for this, and I'm going to have everything prepared and ready for that promise when it comes. I'm not going to be surprised by my promise. I'm not going to be surprised when you answer it. I'm going to be ready for it. That's a proactive thought towards God. <laughs> then it says in verse 10, it says, Then the people of Judah began to complain. Everybody say complain. They said the workers are getting tired and there's so much rubble to be moved. We will never be able to build the walls by ourselves. You know, the quickest way for you to get outside of your calling is to complain about it. If there's anything we can learn about the Hebrews when they were in the wilderness, it's that you better not complain about where God's taking you. I mean, those people, man, y'all can read the book of Exodus. They complain about everything, right? If there was something to complain about it, they did. They complained about the water. They complained about the food. They even complained 
about how they would rather be a slave in Egypt than a free person in the wilderness. And it was actually because of their complaining that it kept them out of the promised land. And they had to wander for 40 years. See, a lot of us, what keeps us out of where God has taken us is we are complaining about it. We're complaining about every step of the way, and we prayed for God to, to take me here, but we're complaining about the process of it, and we're just, we're just complaining. If there's a lesson to be learned, this from the Hebrews in the wilderness, is that complaining about your problems doesn't solve your problems. That just prolongs your problems. But when you say, God, wherever you're taking me, wherever you're, wherever path you have me on, I'm not going to complain about it. I'm going to rejoice about it. I, I'm going to say, God, thank you for where you're taking me. Thank you for what you're providing for me. I'm not going to be confused and, and think that I could have it somewhere better. No, God, in your hands is the safest place, and your will is the best place for me. So let us not miss out on our promise because we start complaining about the process. If God is bringing you somewhere, there's going to be a process attached to it. Something I want to touch on real quick. If you have a promise from God, there's a process attached to it, always. There's never just a promise from God and it happens the next day. No, there's a process attached to it. That's where your faith is tested. That's where your belief is tested. That's where your obedience is strengthened. But during that process is a time, let me encourage somebody, don't complain about that process. What was happening with the Hebrews in, in the wilderness, that was their process. And they were complaining about it. And so now their promise, because of their process and complaining about it, now their, their promise was, was, was elongated 40 years. Let us not complain about where God is taking us. Man, just imagine, begin to think about that. God is taking us somewhere. And he sees the plans and, and he sees the, the big picture and the path that we, he places us on. We look at him and we start complaining about it. Imagine that. God who is providing for us. A God who knows where he's taken us, yet we are complaining about his plans for us. Let us not complain about the plans of God. Let us say, Father, wherever you've taken me, Father, wherever I'm going, I'm not going to complain about it. I trust that the promise is worth it. I trust that the other side I'm going is worth it. I trust that the promised land is worth it. I'm not going to complain. I might be in the wilderness right now, but I'm not going to complain about it because I also feel God's will right now. And I might be in the wilderness right now, but the promised land is just a couple steps away. Let me not stay in the wilderness because I'm complaining about it. God, I trust you no matter what. It says in verse 11, it said, Meanwhile, our enemies were saying, before they know what's happening, we will swoop down on them and kill them and end their work. And the Jews who lived near the camp came and told us again and again. They said they will come from all directions. Everybody say all directions and attack us. That is what the enemy will try to convince us of, is that we are surrounded. That no matter where we go, we are surrounded by our past. We are surrounded by our mistakes that the enemy has us surrounded. But that can't be further from the truth, not when you have Jesus on the inside of you. See, when you have Jesus on the inside of you, now you're no longer surrounded by guilt. Now you're surrounded by grace. When you have Jesus on the inside of you, now that panic that is surrounding everybody else, now you're surrounded by peace. So when you have Jesus in your heart, all those things, those, those fears that you were used to be surrounded by, now you're surrounded by faith. And it's not because anything changed on the outside. It's because what changed on the inside. Because that is where our peace comes from. Our peace doesn't come from our problems or lack thereof. Our peace comes from person 
His name is Jesus, and he lives on the inside of us. And as long as we lean into who he is and what he has given us, which is peace, he's the prince of peace, as long as we lean into that, it doesn't matter what the enemy tries to convince us of. We know we're not surrounded by him. We're surrounded by grace. We're surrounded by love. We're surrounded by peace. Why? Because Jesus is with us. Because Jesus is with us. That's point two for tonight, is even when we feel surrounded, Jesus still has us secured. Even when we feel surrounded, Jesus still has us secured. Because I'm not, I'm not going to try to paint life, you know, in an unrealistic way. There will be times when you feel surrounded. There will be times where you feel like everything that could possibly be going wrong is going wrong right now. And you feel like you're surrounded by your problems, that things begin to be panic-filled. But that's the time when you get to tap into something more powerful than you. That's the time when you get to be calmed by something more powerful than you. That's when you say, Father, I'm surrounded right now. It it seems like everything's going wrong right now. But God, I'm not looking and magnifying that, God. I'm magnifying you. And you start leaning to him, and you get into your prayer closet, and you start praying on him. I'm telling you, once you do that, and you start getting into his presence, all what seemed to be the panic, now you got the peace on the inside of you. That is the time when we lean into Jesus and when we feel surrounded. Because what the enemy wants us to do when we feel surrounded is just to give up. Throw up our hands and say there's no chance. Give in to the panic. Give in to the fear. Give in to all the things and the emotions. But it's in that time we have, to, we have to push into Jesus because our peace is not predicated on whether or not we have problems. Our peace is predicated on Jesus. And Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So as long as we have Jesus in our heart, let me give you something. You have peace in your heart. So don't let the enemy confuse you and say you're surrounded. He's just saying that to take your peace. He's just saying that to take your blessings away from you. I'm going to tell you, you got peace inside of you, and his name is Jesus. In verse 13, as they went on, they say, So I placed armed guards behind the lowest parts of the wall and the exposed areas. Everybody say exposed. I stationed the people to stand guard by families armed with swords, spears, and bows. When there are exposed areas in your life, because we all have them, we all have areas where we are vulnerable with, where we might still be growing in, those are the areas we need to make sure we protect. Like if you're struggling with lust tonight, later tonight, make sure you shut down that laptop late at night. Protect that area where you know you're going in. If, If you struggle with an addiction, stop surrounding your people who struggle with the same things you do. You need to start protecting the exposed areas of your life. See, we can pray about it all we want, and Jesus will change it. But if we don't change what we're doing, if, if, we, don't, if, we, if we don't change practically, you'll never see it happen spiritually. You have to make sure, saying, God, I want this to change in my life. But also, you know what? I'm going to be, again, we're talking about being proactive. I'm going to be proactive about it. I'm going to start protecting those areas. Some of the areas I'm, in, I'm exposed to in and some weaknesses in my, in my life, I'm going to make sure that I protect that. I'm going to make sure I use wisdom with that, that I'm not just going to think I can do whatever I want. No, God, I'm going to protect those areas in my life. In verse 14, and it says, Then as I looked over the situation, so I called together the nobles and the rest of the people and said to them, Don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember that the Lord 
who is great and glorious, and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Anytime personally in my life, when the enemy tries to convince me of fear or tries to convince me of being panicked or, or anxiety, I always remind myself of the kind of God I serve. Because there's going to be problems that happen in our life. You're going to get a phone call that's just going to mess up your day. You're going to get a phone call that, that you're going to say, how is this happening right now? And all the enemy will want you to do is just to give in to that panic, to go into panic mode, to just forget about everything. But it's in those moments you have to remember what kind of a God we serve. And that's what Nehemiah was telling his people. That's what Nehemiah was, was telling them. He said, hey, look, you see, there's enemies around you. And yeah, they might be coming against us, but we've got to remember what kind of God we serve. Don't let them think that they have all the power. No, we have the power on the inside of us and that nothing can stand against. So in those times of fear and those times of panic, never just give in to that quick reaction, but instead respond with, no, my God is greater. No, my God is greater. Oh, this is here. No, 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 wait. My God is greater. And if you keep on doing that, I'm telling you, there's nothing that the enemy can present or that will never be a fact. The fact will always be that our God is greater than anything that the world tries to come at us against. In verse 15, it says, when our enemies heard that we knew of their plans and that God had frustrated them, we all returned to our work on the wall. But from then on, only half my men worked, while the other half stood guard with spears, shields, bows, and coats of mail. And the leaders stationed themselves behind the people of Judah, who were building a wall. And this is what I want us, to, want us to catch. The laborers carried on their work with one hand supporting their load and one hand holding a weapon. See, the workers did not stop building the wall just because there was a threat of a battle coming. They, they didn't drop everything, but at the same time, they didn't make themselves vulnerable to attack. I bet you all are guessing why I have this up here. And don't worry, this is wooden. You know, playing it safe tonight. I don't want to, you know, I don't want this to turn into a healing service when I'm getting up here. But it says that they had a sword, a sword and a shovel, a sword and a shovel, because doesn't it seem like anytime we're ever building something, like anytime we're making progress in our life, like anytime that we finally start, like it seems like things are coming together and we're seeing God's promises come into fruition, that the enemy sends a battle our way, that all of a sudden we, 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 we receive a phone call that, that confuses us. And, and so what will happen is that we start building. Things are going good. We start building. We're finally getting our, our devotion life right. And we, we start building, and, and, uh, and the, the purpose in our life, we, we're starting to figure out what God has purposed us to do, and we start working our way towards there, and, and we start being consistent in church, and, and, and our prayer life is really coming together, and then we start following after him, even in the business world, and, and we're, we're changing lives around us by encouraging him, and we're really starting to build something. We're, we're building, and we can see it happening, and then all of a sudden, we, we, we're in the middle of building, and all of a sudden, we, we get, a, get in, in an argument with our, with, with our spouse. And then at that same time, we get, in a, get a bad report um, from the workplace. And then at that same time, it seems like our kids turn into uh, dem demons all at once. 
and things are just going crazy. And so what, what, what do we do? We drop the shovel. We drop the shovel, and we pick up the sword. And then we begin to fight everything off. We begin to, to fight off all these things and it feels like we're battling. We're trying to take care of this. And then we're trying to fight this battle. And then we try to fight that battle. But what happens when one battle ends? Another one begins. And so we start battling and all of a sudden we fix this. And then another battle happens and we fix that. And while we're battling all these different things in our life, we totally forget about what we were building. We totally forget about what God was doing in our life. And we start trying to fight all these things off. And we drop the shovel and we stop building. See, when you start fighting everything in your life, that's when life turns into a panic. That's when life turns into stress. Because you could be in this place tonight and you say, Kale, I just feel like I'm in one battle after another, after another, after another. Like there's no rest in my life. There's no peace in my life. There's like after every battle, it seems like another one begins and there's a problem after problem. And I'm trying to handle them all and I feel overwhelmed. And we get so caught up in the, in the battles that we forget what we were building. See, the whole goal of the enemies of Israel, the whole goal was to stop them from building. That was the whole goal. They weren't trying to defeat them. They, they knew they couldn't conquer them, but they said, you know what, we're going to try to stop them from building. Do you know that's the goal of the enemy in our lives? He knows he can't defeat you. I mean, he, he really knows. He knows the fact is that he's a defeated foe. But what he will try to do is to keep you from building the purpose in your life that God has for you. And how he does it is that he will send battles in our life. He, he will send these things in our life where, where all, all of a sudden we feel so overwhelmed and that we stop building what God has for us. Point number three for tonight is don't let the threat of a battle keep you from building. Don't let the threat of a battle keep you from building. See, just because there is a battle going on doesn't mean we have to stop building. Just because I'm in a battle right now doesn't mean that I have to stop getting better in what God called us to do. So don't let the threat of a, of a battle keep us from building the kingdom of God. Don't let the threat of a battle keep you from, from building your relationship with God. There's been, there's been many times when I'm coming to church and I'll, and I'll see somebody come to church and, and you know, they're doing really well. I see them come to church, and they're consistent, and man, I just see them building. I see the purpose in their life become realized, and I see favor start to be on life, and all of a sudden, they're building, and I see it, I see it, and all of a sudden, I don't see them again. Three, four months pass, you know, I'll see them at, at a grocery store or, or somewhere else, and I say, hey, what's up, and, you know, I, I missed you, where you been? And all, it's always the same thing. It's always the same answer. They say, oh, yeah, I love church. I, I love going to church. And, man, that was really awesome, me going to church. Oh, man, this, man, the enemy really attacked me. And there was, there were some problems that came up, and, and there were some troubles that came up. And, I, you know, I just had to press pause on church for a little bit. I had to take care of those things. Yeah. And I always say, you know, I, I don't say it to them. You know, I encourage them. But in my mind, like, that's exactly what the enemy wanted you to do. The enemy wanted you to stop building. The enemy wanted you to, to stop, stop building your relationship with Jesus. He wanted you to stop that. And he knew that he, how he could do that for you is start sending battles your way. Because he, he knows you're so used to fighting everything that as soon as you saw even this a slight threat, that you'll drop everything to go run out and fight it. See, that, that, that's what, see the, the people of Israel, as they were building the walls, 
as they were building the walls, it says they had a, a shovel in one hand and sword in the other. It doesn't say that they were building the walls and then they saw a scout off in the distance, so they dropped everything and went out to fight him. No, 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 no. They, they kept on building, but they had a sword by their side. They were ready. And see, that's the di- dichotomy, the duality of really the kingdom of heaven is that we have to be, be building the kingdom of heaven, always be building, be building, but then we have to be ready to protect it. I'm like, don't, don't get me wrong. There's time when you have to pull out the sword. There, there's time when you have to go out and you step out by faith and you begin to, to call it. There's, there will be those times, but there will never be a time where God's going to tell you to drop the shovel. There will never be a time in your life where God says, okay, look, stop building on your purpose right now because I want you to come take. There will never be a time God tells you to do that. He will always show you how the people of Israel were doing. They were shovel one hand, sword in the other. Shovel in one hand, sword in the other. You know what? I'm going to keep on coming to church. Yes, I know things are going on right now, but I'm going to keep on building. I'm, I'm going to keep on praying for my family. Yeah, yeah, I know that that one child, I don't know what's going on with them right now, but I'm going to keep on praying for them. I'm going to keep on building. I'm not just going <laughs> to kick them out of the house or, or send them this because, no, I'm going to keep on praying. I'm going to keep on building because I need to make sure that there's a dichotomy right now that is displayed in the scripture that I need to build while I battle, that I can build while I battle. See, Jesus does say, for us to live by the sword of the Spirit. You know, he does say that. He, he tells us, you know, to live by the sword of the Spirit. But he also tells Peter in the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, when the Roman soldiers and the Pharisees have come to, to take him away to Calvary. And, and as they're going to take Jesus, Peter comes out with the sword. Peter is always ready to fight. And he comes out with the sword, and what does he do? He, he gets right in that battle, and he fights it off. Even though when we look back, we can see that that was actually God building something. Well, he, he jumped in right there, and then he cut off the ear of the servant, of the high priest. And Jesus looked at him, basically, like, what are you doing? And what did he tell him? He said, hey, if you live by the sword, you die by the sword. Well, I believe what he was saying there. He's like, look, if you just get caught up in the battles that the enemy presents you, you're just going to be fighting your whole life. You're going to go from battle to battle to battle. Let me tell you, God's call is to go from blessing to blessing to blessing to blessing, not battle to battle to battle to battle. So if you just live your life with the sword in your hand at all times, and you're just fighting everything off, you're just fighting this and fighting that, and I got to go over there, I got to fight this, I got to take care of this, I got to take care of that, you're going to be fighting your whole life, and then you're going to look back and realize you haven't built much. You're going to look back and, and realize you haven't grown much. You're going to look back and say, what have I been doing my whole life? Well, your whole life you've been distracted by battles. You've been distracted by different things in your life going on, and, and the enemy's just trying to, what the enemy's trying to do is he's trying to keep you out of the, at that phase of, of building your relationship with God. That's really the whole goal. And so you get caught up in, in battles. But see, the, the, sword can, the sword can be used to protect, it can be used to pillage. It really depends on the, on the character of the man holding it. But when the enemies of Israel came, it doesn't say they, they, they ran towards them. It doesn't say that they were s- afraid either. But it says they had a shovel in one hand and sword in the other. And Jesus told Peter, if you live by the sword, you die by the sword. But what also I'm encouraged by, and what I thought was awesome, is just like really a few weeks later, Jesus tells the same man who was living by the sword, he tells the same man, Peter, he looks at him, 
He said, Peter, he said, you will be the rock that I will build the church on. Man, that just shows me that Jesus is way more focused on building the kingdom than he is about the threats of the enemy. I mean, he, he, Jesus already knows who holds the victory. And he knows that battles are going to come, but battles are won. We don't fight from victory or for victory. We fight from victory. We already know who's, who's going to win in the end. So all these battles we're facing, we already know who's going to win the war, and that's Jesus. And so he was saying, hey, look, Peter, focus on building. I know you're a fighter. I know we have some fighters in this place. But focus on building. Focus on loving people, building the church, building the kingdom, building your family, building your devotion life with God, building your relationship with him. Focus on building. Don't get, get, get caught up in all the battles. Be ready for a battle. They're going to come. Have a sword in one and a shovel in the other. But be focused on building. Will you stand with me as I close? This is the closing point I want to leave with all tonight is be, be, be prepared for a battle, but keep your priority on building the kingdom and following Jesus. I'll say that one more time. Be prepared for a battle, but keep your priority on building the kingdom and following Jesus. I don't know what kind of battle you find yourself in tonight, but I do know one thing. You better not stop building. Don't let the enemy convince you that you can go back to building again once this battle is over. Or, or I just have to get through this season. This is what I hear a lot. Hey, hey, Caleb, let me just get through this season of life, then I'll be back in church. Let me, let me get through this, and then I'll start praying again, and, and then I'll get, no. Don't let the enemy confuse you. You can build and be ready for a battle at the same time. But man, God wants us to focus on building so much more. God wants us to focus on building our relationship with him. God wants us to focus on building the church, on loving one another, on, on making sure that we're doing everything that we can to live our lives for him. God wants us to focus on building. I know a lot of us are dealing with battles right now, and we're so used to fighting. We're so used to the stress of of. of How's this going to work out? How's that going to work out? And trying to think that we have to have it all figured out and, and trying to, to see how we can do this and how we can do that. And, and really, can I be honest? All the things that life tries to do, that the enemy tries to do, is just distract you from the God that lives on the side of you. He just wants you to be so caught up with life and so caught up with the battles of life. And he wants you to be so caught up with everything that you forget about the most important thing, which is building. Building your life for him. Building up your family. Spending time in prayer. Making sure that every step you take is being led by the Holy Spirit. Let us not be confused by the battles life has or by the intimidation of the enemy. But let's say, God, no matter what, I'm not going to drop this shovel. No matter what's going on, I'm not going to stop loving people. No matter what happens in my life and what kind of battle the enemy tries to say is going to overcome me, I'm not going to stop being a light for you, God. I'm not going to stop building. Because if the enemy can, can make you get off 
of that mindset and, and gets you so focused on, on him, really, and on the battles of life, he knows he can stop you from building what really matters. So what I want us to do tonight is say, God, what have I stopped building because I was so focused on fighting? God, let me return to that. Let me make sure I'm building the right relationships in my life. God, let me make sure that I'm building up my prayer life. God, let me make sure that I'm loving people how I should, how I'm treating people the way I should. God, let me be so focused and prioritized on building your kingdom that even when the battles come, I already know that they're defeated, that my focus doesn't even get deterred off you because I know who holds the victory. Father, let's be focused on you tonight. So we head bow and eyes closed. I just want to pray tonight for peace and knowing that I don't have to focus on, the, on all the problems and battles that's going on right now, for the victory has already been won. But I'm not going to take my focus off building my relationship with God. I'm not going to take my focus off building the things that God has called me to build. I'm not going to take my focus off building the kingdom, off building my family, loving one another, and making sure that I'm living a life I'm called to live. God, let me not forget about what I'm building for you. So, Father, touch every soul in this place tonight. Let your Holy Spirit begin to reassure them of who holds the victory, God. Father, we don't want to stop building no more. We don't want to be confused about who holds the victory anymore. It doesn't matter the sickness. It doesn't matter the deceit. It doesn't matter what the enemy tries to convince us of. We know the truth that you hold the victory. So, Father, we're just going to keep on building. No matter what happens, no matter what life tries to throw our way, we're not going to stop building. I just think that's the word for tonight is that the enemy thinks that he can get us so caught up in the battle that we forget about Jesus, but we're not going to stop building no longer. We're not going to be confused no longer. We're going to continue building our purpose towards him. We're going to continue building towards the promises of God. We're not going to stop building. Father, we just thank you for what you're doing in us tonight. Father, we just let in your Holy Spirit right now I can feel that the Holy Spirit wants to minister tonight. So we're going to sing a song, but draw a circle around yourself and say, Father, I give it all to you. I don't need control. I, need, I don't need to have everything under my hands. Father, I place it in your hands. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.